Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacker Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. podcast from the canon and SB Nation blog about your Columbus Blue Jackets. I'm your host PD and I'm joined today by Dale Bloom. How's it going Dale? It's going PD. Happy spring. Yeah. Allergy season in full force and uh, <laughs> so apologies if my voice sounds really stuck. But, um, we will power through it anyway. Uh, the big news last week in Jackets land is that We finally have dates for the long-rumored Finland series against the Colorado Avalanche. Uh, This was first announced back in 2020 that we would be playing them at some point. Obviously, that got postponed due to COVID. Um, It was possibly going to happen this this season, but again, ended up not coming to pass when the final schedule came out. But now, on the books, November 4th, November 5th in Tampere, Finland. Um, against the Colorado Avalanche. So, first of all, do you do you think this is going to happen finally? I do think it's finally going to happen this time. Yeah, you know, barring some crazy circumstance, and I know we've all seen that over the last couple of years, but I think it's actually going to happen this year. And it's exciting. You know, I was looking forward to it a couple of years ago. Um, probably won't be able to make the trip, um, but, I mean, it's definitely going to be cool to see on TV. It's going to be cool to see the fanfare. Um, Blue Jackets are an obvious choice um, to play that game and to play one of the games in Finland. And I'm sure that um, Line A and Yarmo and um, other people in the organization are just uh, ecstatic about it. Yeah, so it's interesting that you bring up Line A because the game is not being held in Helsinki. It's being held in Tampere, which is the second largest metro area in Finland. It's considered the sort of the hotbed of hockey in Finland. They're Finnish Hockey Hall of Fame is located there. And most importantly, it is the hometown of a certain Patrick Line. And on the graphics that they used to announce the game, they had Miko Rantanen from Colorado, obviously famous Finnish player, great player for that team. And it had Line for the Jackets. Now, he's not under contract for next season. So do you take this as a sign, though, that that makes the signing more likely to happen now going forward? The fan in me wants to think so. <laughs> um, you know, I, we've seen crazier things happen in the league. We've seen crazier things happen with the Blue Jackets. Um, but I, I think, I do think all signs are pointing to him signing a long-term contract in Columbus at this point. 
Um, and I'm hoping I'm not setting myself up for disappointment. Um, but he seems happy. The club seems happy with him. He had a great year um, playing in Finland next year, a team that's, um, you know, performed above expectations, got a lot of young talent. Um, you know, I, I, I think that there's some good signs, you know, and maybe, maybe they do, the Blue Jackets have something up their sleeve and it's going to happen sooner rather than later. Yeah. So it was interesting to me that the day after the announcement, uh, after the practice, that Line A met with the media. Now he's still injured, was not practicing, but they wanted him to talk to the media about the thing. But of course, again, not under contract. So even he had to, now the media was asking some questions about like, oh, what kind of things are you going to do there? But he had to point out that, you know, it's not for certain. But he did say repeatedly that he hopes that he's still around mm-hmm. for that. So he has consistently said the right things about wanting to stay here. Mm-hmm. Um, now with his personality, it's kind of hard to tell what he's actually excited about. He's a pretty <laughs> low key kind of guy is a very dry sense of humor about things. Um, but yeah, it seems like he's at least open to it. I think by everything that Yarmo has said that the team wants to keep him around. Um, this would be another nice thing for him to be able to go home and play in front of his friends and family, you know, and he's has played in. Helsinki before back in 2018 against the Panthers. He had a hat trick in one of those games, but to actually be back in his hometown, um, I'd have to think that that would make it even more special. Um, that's also uh, Tampere and Helsinki are hosting the world championships next month. Now we'll see if line a is healed up enough that he's willing to go back and play for his home country as the host country in the world championships. I would have to think there would be a number of jackets that would be, in consideration to play and would be eager to, you know, keep their season going and play at that level to build on for next season. So that will be something interesting to keep an eye on. Now there is also a chance to, it might be an outside chance, but there is a chance that maybe somebody like Jonas Corposalo could be back with the team next year in a pure backup role. Um, and if that were the case, that'd be pretty neat for him too. Um, and, you know, maybe even get a start there. So some, that's also something else to, to keep an eye on. Yeah, of course, I'm curious as to how the timing worked out for that because, you know, he's looking at about a six-month recovery on his hip surgery. Um, so I don't know if he would even be ready to go in early November. Um, you know, that might be on sort of the the short end of that recovery timeline. And I don't know, you know, will the Jackets be willing to sign him mid-season or sign him while injured knowing that he couldn't participate in camp or the first month of the season. Um, I I certainly wouldn't rule it out. Um, I think the team seems to really love him. He loves the team, but I don't know if it's necessarily the most prudent decision, but I could certainly see it happening. Yeah. Um, now, speaking of the line A signing, uh, I was listening today to the 32 Thoughts podcast, and they were questioning whether Columbus would make a big swing this offseason. Um, and they mentioned, and I agree with this, that Yarmo Kekalainen is a GM who usually doesn't just sit on his hands. Like he is always looking for ways to make the team better and often has surprised us with the kind of moves that he pulls off. So, uh, would signing Line would that be sufficient as a big swing this offseason? Or do you think that Yarmo would be looking to do? more than just locking in a guy like that. 
I think he's certainly going to try and do more. Um, you know, I, I think as as Friedman mentioned on that podcast, Yarmo, like you said, Yarmo is the one to sit on his hands. Um, he wants to win. He wants to to do it sooner rather than later. You know, they they've mentioned it many times. Um, you know, directly and indirectly that this isn't going to be a um, an Arizona, a Buffalo. This isn't going to mm-hmm. be one of those situations where we got to sit around and wait five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten years to make the playoffs <laughs> again. Um, unfortunately, you know, I think there's enough talent um, coming up in the organization to to prevent that. But um, you know, he's definitely going to be looking to to improve the team um, with a couple of caveats, right? If he makes any big trades, it's going to be for players with term. Right. Um, you know, you're not going to see any him sell anybody off for um, guys who are, um, you know, prospects who are not NHL ready um, or picks or anything like that. Um, you know, there's there's two fronts, I guess, that are needed. It's center and it's defense. Um, now, you know, I, I think we'll we'll get to the point here where we're going to take a look at these games in the last couple last week or so here, but they've been playing better defensively as of late, um, yeah. you know, so what kind of need um, on defense do they potentially have? There's a lot of rumors surrounding Chichurin, um in Columbus. Um, you know, how is that a guy you want to give up assets for when the center position, especially a center that could play defense is such a needed, um, uh, needed spot. But uh, all of that to say, Yes, I think Yarmo is going to have his eyes all over the league trying to find ways to make this team better, to find somebody who can fit into this lineup um, and make this team um, a potential you know, contender, at least for, for maybe a wild card spot next year. Right, and I don't think it is that unreasonable to think that this team could make that leap. Um, you know, they're about, what, 16 or so points back from that spot this year, but you have to figure some of those Eastern playoff teams this year could fall off and Jackets could be enough better if they add some talent, if they have some internal improvement, um, and if they, you know, then go out and make another move. Now, I agree with you. I think you're right that term is something that Yarmo will look for, that some player that he can get that will be part of the long-term future of the team. Uh, because I agree with, you know, the question that American Freeman raised was, you know, are the Jackets one player away? And I don't think that's the case. I don't think that it's just one player that this team needs to take another leap. I think it's an, either a lot of a number of players taking a step forward. Um, but if there's a player that can be here for the duration of this upward improvement, that's going to be a several year process. Mm-hmm. With steps along the way to okay, we're being we're fighting for the playoff spot. Oh, and then the next year we're in the playoffs. Then the next year we win a round or two. It's that kind of gradual improvement that we're looking to make. Um, I think of like last summer, a move that I was initially surprised by was Dougie Hamilton signing with New Jersey. But for New Jersey, it made a lot of sense because if they believe that Dougie Hamilton could be a really good defenseman for many years to come. Even if they didn't need him this year, better to have him now. And then once everything else is ready, they've got their guy, as opposed to then having to go out and look for a Dougie Hamilton type player who might not be on the market or might cost more assets to get, which they might not have available to spend at that point. 
So if the Jackets could do something similar, not necessarily in the free agent market, but through a trade, but some player that will be here throughout the prime of Sillinger and Johnson and guys like that. Um, now, you know, one name that was thrown out kind of jokingly by um, Merrick, he's mentioned this for a number of teams, is could someone offer sheet Kevin Fiala from Minnesota? Now, we were talking about this in the Slack, and you were you were making the case for it. So make the case, why should we offer sheet Kevin Fiala? Yeah, you know, you look at a point-per-game player. Um, these guys don't grow on trees. Um, you know, it, we have Chicago's pick. Um, in the mm-hmm. upcoming draft, which, you know, as long as they don't win the lottery, it's looking like that could potentially be a top five pick um, going into the summer. So, you know, you offer sheet um, Fiala, which would have to be for, um, you know, probably looking at about five years and somewhere around the eight million a year mark. And that would give that would make you give up a first, a second and a third. Right. Right. So you still have your Chicago pick, which, you know, it's a high pick. You can pick up a center um, in in the draft if that's the way you want to go. You give up your first, which, yeah, I mean, you're you're potentially giving up a, you know, a a long time NHLer picking at the 12th ish spot. But then your second, your third rounds, those are kind of lottery picks, right? Yeah, you could end up getting a good player, but, you know, what are the chances? So if you have the chance to land a player like Kevin Fiala, um, you know, I, I think it's definitely worth a worth a look. And then, you know, you already have a plethora of forwards. You know, they may not be, you know, top line forwards, but um, a lot of defensive depth on this team. So, you know, maybe you throw together some other kind of package somewhere else to pick up some somebody else to to bolster your lineup even more. So, um, you know, offer sheets. You, people always talk about these things. We talk about them every year, and they very rarely happen. Mm-hmm. Um, but Minnesota's in a tough spot, man. They they're they're absolutely up against the wall here for the next couple of years. I don't know that the Jackets should do that, but definitely some team should. I think there might be a team who is one point per game winger away from contending and should absolutely do that and could pay for him and pay him an amount that Minnesota just couldn't possibly match with, you know, the 12 million in dead cap space that they're going to have. Now, for me the concern with him would be that well, one He's playing with Kirill Kaprizov, and how much has he gotten a bounce from that? The second thing would be he's a winger, not a center. And does it make the Jackets that much better to add another winger, even if it's a very, very good winger? Yeah, no, I, I think you're right. I think that's that, that's a good point. Um, you know, the, the, the one big caveat to that is, you know, what if, let's say that line A doesn't sign long term. Let's say that they can't come to terms. You know, let's say that there's some sort of issue there. Um, you know, so you end up having to trade line A. Um, you know, maybe the offer sheeting Fiala becomes even more of a, um, you know, it becomes more intriguing for for Yarmo to try and replace line A. Yeah, yeah, that would make sense to me um, that he would be, he'd be line A insurance or, you know, trade him offer sheet Fiala and he would be the new star left winger on the team. Yeah, I think that could that could work out. And I also feel like if the depending on when the signing is made, if it is made, you know, after the draft, what we'd be giving up would be next year's first, second, and third. So, and if the team is a lot better, then that first round pick is much later and is less of a thing to give up. So, I think there's definitely value in that. We have all of our draft picks for 2023 
and we don't have any extra draft picks for 2023. So now it's supposed to be a deep draft. So do we want to add players in 2023 or will we be at the point where those picks are actually more valuable in a trade? If we know that there are proven players that we could get that would help now, I think that would be something to look into both this summer and next summer. Um, If we feel like our pipeline also has been replenished enough over the last few years. And I think it certainly is looking a lot better. Today's episode is brought to you by cars.com with over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day. Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Hello, I'm Nilay Patel, the editor-in-chief of The Verge and host of Decoder, a business podcast where I interview CEOs about big ideas, the problems that come from those ideas, and how they make decisions. It is also surprisingly about org charts. It comes up a lot. We're launching a new limited series that we're calling the Centennial Series, where I talk to CEOs of companies that are over 100 years old, like Xerox, Barnes & Noble, and more. There's no 100-year-old company that's without its struggles, and it's been fascinating to talk to these CEOs about which parts of these companies' history are important and which parts they can let go. A little spoiler for you, if a company is over 100 years old, there's a lot of drama to talk about. It's been a good time. You can listen to the Centennial series right in the Decoder feed. New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial series is out on Thursdays. Check it out. We think you're really going to like it. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts. So speaking of looking forward on the roster to next year, um, a player that has shined recently and I feel may have played his way onto the roster is Nick Blinkenberg. Is it too soon to pencil him into the top six defense for next season? I don't think so. I mean, based on what we've seen from guys rotating in and out of the lineup and, um, you know, the bottom pair for this entire season, uh, he's head and shoulders above those guys. You know, Dean Kukin, he's he's had his good stretches, but he also has had stretches this year where he's looked not so hot. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, Gabriel Carlson, which, you know, may factor in and out regardless. Um, You know, Beirut, there's struggled at times this year. So um, Blankenberg has been very impressive. You know, he scores a goal the other night. Um, has picked up several assists already. Um, he looks poised out there. Um, he's making quick passes. He looks confident. Um, he's not, doesn't, isn't second guessing himself out there. Um, yeah, I absolutely think you, you pencil, you can nearly pencil him in in the top six next year. He just looks so comfortable out there. You know, there are times where he does not look like a rookie and his, Lack of size is evident. I mean, he looks small out there, but he doesn't play small. I mean, he he's where he needs to be. He's able to throw hits when he needs to. Um, and then you can also tell that he was a former forward. Um, you know, kind of reminds me of like a those basketball players that uh, had a growth spurt in high school, and so they're playing center now, but they played guard coming up, so they've got the great ball handling. 
you know, like an Anthony Davis type. So he's got that kind of, he's got the forward puck skills, but he's playing defense and um, his power play goal against Edmonton, which ended up being the game winning goal was, that was a beauty. That was a great shot. Um, And it's so cool to see how he's embraced the challenge, embraced the opportunity. Uh, His teammates seem to love him. Uh, I think he's quickly become a fan favorite. Mm -hmm. The crowd has really gotten into it when he's played and played well. Um, It was cool to see that his family and friends came down from Michigan for the game on Sunday. And so it was cool for them to get to witness his first NHL goal. Um, It's just, it's a great story. And for a guy that was such an underdog, you know, to be a walk on at Michigan as a 20 year old. And then by the end of it, he was the captain of a super talented team. And then he gets an NHL contract, gets to play right away, make an impact. Um, Man, it, I the defense I think has come around so much from where it was at this time last year. We had so many question marks, and especially once we knew that Seth Jones wanted out, you know what was the defense going to look like? But you know we got Adam Boquist, we got Jake Bean. Now we have Blankenberg. Andrew Peak took a step up, uh, and we've got you know Jake Christensen. I think has looked like a player this year. Um, we've got the prospects of Stanislav Sposal and Samuel Nasco, like. Is it possible that defense could actually become a strength of the team in a year or so? I think it absolutely can. Um, you know, it's a young, it's a young core, um, new coach this year, a lot of new faces. Um, you know, we'll see what happens with the coaching staff next year. But uh, you know, another training camp, some adjustments to the system. You know, guys getting in good offseason workouts. Um, you know, like you said, Bean and Boakvist are young. These are really young guys. Yeah. You know especially for um, the standards of a, a defenseman in the league. You know, we talk about forwards all the time. There's a lot, there's, there's 18, 19, 20, 21 year olds in the league all over the place on forward, but defensemen, these, a lot of these guys don't enter the league until 22, 23 and, right. you know, don't hit their primes until their late twenties. And um, you know, so these guys have a lot of room to grow. So Corson Kuhlman's is another guy that's going to be up here in a couple of years too. Yeah. Um, so you know, there's probably going to have to be some something that gives as far as how many uh, guys are in the pipeline co- that have potential shot to be on the team in the next couple of years. Um, but it's going to provide a lot of good competition. Um, and I think it, it could end up resulting in a pretty strong core for sure. And also pieces to trade if necessary, mm-hmm. you know, for, for anything else that we need to improve, like center, for example. Um, speaking of centers, another storyline from last week is Jack Rozovic. Back in January, if I had told you that Jack Rozovic would end up with 20 goals, would you believe me or would you thought I was crazy? I would have thought you were crazy. Yeah. <laughs> I would too. I, I would not have dreamed of saying it back then. Oh yeah, he's going to score 20. But yeah, he's sitting at 21 goals. He has been lights out. This was a guy that did not even get a look at being the top line center in training camp and preseason. And now with Boone Jenner hurt, he came into that role, and he's shining in it. Um, what what do you think is the cause of this? And is it sustainable? I think it is sustainable. You know, we, we said this last year, and we talked about this last year, when he had a, a really good season last year, um, given the struggles of the team. You know, he was at a 50, he played at a 50-some point pace um, the whole season, um, was fairly consistent, although, you know, he has his, his defensive deficiencies. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I thought that he was poised to take a big step forward this year. Um, and at, at points in the first half, first three fourths of the season, he looked, he looked lost. 
um, he looked like he wasn't engaged. He looked like, um, you know, he was easily pushed off of pucks, making bad decisions. It was almost a running joke, you know, between right. us that kind of participate in the game threads and on our Slack channel that, you know, he would skate around the ice with the puck and hold on to the puck. And you knew the first pass he would make would end up on the opponent's stick. Um, but he's looked like a completely different player as of late. He looks confident. He's scoring lots of goals. Um, he's contributing to, to keeping possession. Um, he's making good, smart passes, and he's even improved defensively. So who knows where, where the light went on or what happened to, to kind of kick him in gear a little bit. Um, the big question is going to be consistency. Can he have a good offseason? Can he come out next year uh, with all cinder, cylinders firing? So, you know, assuming that he's we re-signed him, he's a restricted free agent, obviously he would want to stay here. Um, I think the way he's played makes it more likely that they will hold on to him. I mean, do you feel okay about the team next season if they don't make an immediate center move? Because Cole Sillinger, his game has come along. He's a legitimate top six center. Corrali looks like at least a middle six center. Boone Jenner is again also probably in that range. There's at least three legitimate two C's, you could say. And then Sean Corrali has reached another gear in Columbus. So, I mean, those four, if they can maintain sort of the peak level they've had this season, like all of a sudden that's like a really solid-looking center core, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Uh... Boone Jenner is a big question mark still in my mind. Um, I still think he's strongest on the wing. Um, you know, he he contributed a lot of goals and, and contributed a lot of points early on in the season, you know, up, up until he got hurt. Um, but in my mind, there's still question marks for Boone Jenner on defense, especially as a 1C. Um, you know, he still has a tendency to kind of get walked all over when he's up against the elite centers in the league. Um, so to me, there's a big question mark there. Um if Cole Sillinger can take a big step over the summer um, to where that he can, um, you know, be bet- a better defender of some of these uh, top centers and other teams, um, you could see him kind of getting deployed in that role more, I think, um, by the coaching staff next season. Um, but yeah, Sean Crowley has been has been great this year. Jack Larosovic has been good. Throw in Danforth too. Danforth can mm-hmm. play center and has been playing center. Um, and has done a really good job and has progressed nicely this season. Um, so they, they definitely do have some options. Um, and I think that they could probably compete for a wild card, you know, next season without major changes, especially if the defense, if the defense can, can play better and we can get more consistent goaltending, um, for sure. I don't, I don't see why not. Yeah, and another part of sort of team defense is the defensive play of the forwards. It's not just on the blue line, because I like a lot of what we have on the blue line. It's not like, oh, that guy is trash, we need to get rid of him. Like, these are all good players. They just need to improve defensively, and they need more help from the forwards. I think scheme could help that. I think experience could help that. Um, But so much of the success of team defense comes from who's playing center. And as you said, Roslevic is he's still not great defensively, but he has improved. I, I think it was when they started putting him on the penalty kill that that both energized his offensive game, but it's made it so he's not as much of a liability defensively. Mm-hmm. And Cole Sillinger, now his 
some of his underlying numbers haven't looked great, but just eye test wise, he has stood out more to me defensively, especially the games that I've been at in person. I've watched him and I just feel like he's very active in the defensive zone. Now, maybe he's out of position. He's just scrambling, but it does seem like he is getting in the way, has an active stick. He's throwing hits. I just feel like he's doing a lot of little things right, um, which is a sign to me that he's learning and things are clicking. And I think his long-term future is as, at very least, a very good 200-foot center. Now, he's not getting the chance to go up against the best forwards on the other team yet, necessarily. But I'd like to see him get that opportunity, and I think he could grow into that role. And I also think the next season we're going to see a lot more from him offensively. Um, we've already and he's already put up solid points for a rookie, but from what he did in juniors and at Traverse City and in preseason, the dude's got a really good shot. So I'd like to see him shoot a lot more actually. And then you're looking at a guy that's going to score twenty five plus goals and could hold his own defensively against other top lines. And then I think he got a really special center there. Yeah, you know, we, we talked about it before, but you go back to the, um, what is it, you know, the 2012-2013 season um, in there where this group was able to, this organization was able to make some noise um, with the likes of Brandon Dubinsky um, really being the number one center. Um, mm-hmm. for this team and you look what Ed Dubinsky brought he was very good defensively yeah um, was able to shut down guys like Crosby um, and get under their skin and really play well defensively but he was a 40 to 50 point guy yeah um, you know but he was still able to um, help the team you know get to where it needed to be um, to be a playoff team and I think we could see something similar from Sillinger um, I think that he has the potential. He has a higher offensive ceiling than a, than a Brandon Dubinsky ever had. Um, mm-hmm. And he can ha- add some of that snarl, that defensive side of the puck. So um, I think, you know, worst, worst case, Cole Sillinger in a couple of years, um, you know, being the one C on this team, if they haven't found anybody else to fill that role, I still think they can be a good team um, with him in that position. Yeah, agreed. So we're about out of time today. Uh, upcoming this week, there are three more games left on the Jackets' schedule. They have a home-and-home home with Tampa Bay, uh, which includes the home finale on Thursday. And then on Friday, they end the season at Pittsburgh. Is there anything in particular you're looking for in these final three games? Yeah, I think just continuing what they've been doing recently. You know, they they were able to to beat the Oilers um, on, on Sunday, uh, played a really good game. Uh, youngsters contributed. So, you know, you just want to see them taking steps end on a high note. Um, and that might not necessarily be wins, but it's playing at a high level um, and just allowing these players to kind of know where they need to be in the off season. I think there's been a lot of positive things this year um, and hopefully they can end it on a good note, especially if they could end it on a good note against Pittsburgh. Right. Well, and for, for Thursday and Friday's games, by the time those games happen, Tampa and Pittsburgh could be locked into their playoff seating, in which case you might see those teams resting some star players, uh, which could create an opportunity for the Jackets. But I think at least one and two record for the week is something they could achieve, right? Yeah, I absolutely agree. They've been playing well recently. I don't see um, any reason why not. Yeah, and if we can get 
some of the guys that have been playing hot, if they can continue playing hot, maybe get a couple of the uh, injured guys back for at least a game just to, again, end the season playing as opposed to on the injured list, that would be something good. So, But, you know, mostly it's – I think it's been a fun season despite not being a playoff season. And, you know, a game like beating Edmonton on Sunday, that was a fun game. The Ottawa game on Friday I was at, that was not as fun. But, <laughs> but the Edmonton game looked like it was a fun – Still good crowds for both of those games this weekend, which is nice to see for a team that was already eliminated from the playoffs. So I think it shows that this group is resonating with the fans. Um, so if they can keep that up and on a good note, um, I'll be happy with that. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you mentioned the crowd, and I think that one th- that is one thing that's been uh, worth mentioning. Um, the crowds in Columbus have been great this season. Um, you know, so hats off to you fans who were able to make it to a lot of the games. Um, now, you know, the Canadian, the things going on in Canada with the arenas and the, the limiting capacities mm-hmm. has something to do with this. But currently, as of this recording, Columbus is sitting at 17th in the league in um, uh, percentage of filling seats at 89.2%. So, you know, compared to recent seasons, some of the tenants yeah. issues this team has had over the last, um, you know, eight, seven, eight years or so, um, you know, I think it's great to see. And it, and it means that there's some good things to come in Columbus, I think. Yeah, you know, and maybe some of that is just a sort of COVID honeymoon that fans are excited to be able to come back to games again. Um, but I think it also speaks to the value of not bottoming out completely and not going in a total tank. Like, still have enough players there that are good, that are worth coming to watch. And I think that that has played a role as well. We've said it for a long time, star power helps. The organization yeah. just needs to lean into it. Absolutely. All right, that'll do it for us this week. Uh, Be sure to tune in next week where the Jacket season will be over, but we'll be previewing the playoffs. So we'll see you next time. For more content from the Canon, go to JacketsCanon.com. You can also follow the Canon on Facebook and on Twitter at CBJCanon. If you like this podcast, please leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. And be sure to subscribe on Apple, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Our theme music is the song Green Eyes by Angela Perley and the Howlin' Moons. Go to AngelaPerla.com for more music and show dates. necessarily need to add that many more picks going forward (laughs) (laughs) rory got a a duck toy yesterday (laughs) and he decided that that was a good time to play with it This is hysterical. (laughs) That is impeccable timing, (laughs) Rory.
shot of him looking all innocent like what what did i do you know what you did Uh. (laughs) or if it's worth risking keeping going or some of this i'm gonna tag and put in the closing credits right oh absolutely